Hello and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm your host, Steve Prentice. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, and technology, and each offers ideas and facts that you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcast is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast tab. How has your sleep been recently? During the early months of the COVID-19 outbreak, governments around the world imposed lockdowns to reduce interpersonal contact and hopefully flatten the curve of the pandemic. This unprecedented global act meant that hundreds of millions of people were forced to experience a new and rather featureless lifestyle. All the normal activities of life, even those we found once to be dreary and repetitive, such as commuting to work, doing groceries, putting gas in the car, these were removed from our lives with no reprieve in sight. The fun ones, like visiting family, dining out, enjoying sports and hobbies, were also wiped clean from everyone's calendar. And one of the most interesting things to come from this very challenging situation was the prevalence of changed sleep patterns, including vivid dreams. There was an episode of Star Trek, Voyager or Next Generation or something, I can't remember which one, in which part of the plot dealt with the fact that the ship was traveling through an area of space where there were no stars visible at all. Nothing to see out the windows, and this led to some episodes of depression and inner contemplations amongst the crew. Now, this, of course, is just a science fiction story, but it highlights a very real human condition. We thrive on stimulus. We need the friction of new images, ideas, people, and situations as fuel for the mind and the body. When these stimuli are removed, we go a little weird. Or in more serious cases, some of us will encounter significant mental and emotional health issues. Dreams have been studied for centuries, probably as long as humans have been around, and although there is still much disagreement on the subject, it is thought that dreams are the mind's approach to sorting out the millions of bits of information that it had to process in the waking hours of the day with a goal of sorting them and dumping most of them away. In a way, this is like what happens when you turn off or restart your computer. It doesn't simply turn off like a light switch, it has to go through a minute or two of putting things away, dumping stuff that is no longer needed and closing programs properly before it can power down. I remember a couple of decades ago delivering a workshop to a room full of executives who had been given a golden parachute and had been told to find another job. I was part of a team of people hired to help them through this trauma and prepare them for their next chapter in their lives. My job was to introduce them to their laptop computer. Now, you have to remember this was over 20 years ago at a time when executives seldom used computers. They had their secretaries use them. So I had to explain to them how to do stuff like open a document or send an email. And in case you think this is harking back to the quaint older age, I still do the same type of thing now with executives who really don't understand computers still. Except now it's called cybersecurity. And it means I have to explain password hygiene and VPNs and ransomware instead of Microsoft Windows and programs that attach to it. It's also called remote work technology, which means having employees work from home via video. And hey, guess what? It's here. The point is, I was hosting one of these events, and one of the executives asked me why we had to go through this ritual of closing a computer down. Why couldn't you just shut it right off? And in the case of a PC, why couldn't you just simply pull the plug out of the wall or turn off the power bar? My answer to this gentleman resulted in the first and only gratuity that I have ever received as a professional speaker and subject matter expert. I asked him whether, when he comes home in the evening, whether he parks his car carefully in his garage or whether he leaps out of it a few seconds in advance, allowing the car to roll up the driveway and stop itself by crashing into the back wall of the garage. He seemed to have gotten the point. 
And my tip, my gratuity for this genius analogy, by the way, was $2. So computers need to dump stuff out of their RAM, their short-term memory. If they don't, then that memory gets all clogged up and their performance decreases substantially over time. Now, we humans are much the same. When we dream, our minds process the things we have seen and thought about during the day before. Some of these items might be immediate, something you experienced that resulted in a memory or emotion just a few hours ago. Other stimuli trigger memories from as far back as your mind will allow, like a person from high school or a long-lost pet who suddenly appears on the stage of your dreams in some bizarre scenario that defies the laws of physics, time, and reality. Dreams often include a narrative or a conflict, trying to get somewhere, trying to solve a problem, being stuck in a strange situation with completely unreal elements appearing as real and normal. Folding up your car and storing it in your purse or wallet, for example. It is unclear whether these dream scenarios play out in real time, or if they are merely flashes of invented memories that exist just for milliseconds but are then remembered And that's why this surge in reports of vivid dreams during the pandemic lockdown is so interesting. Are people having more vivid dreams, as in an increased number of vivid dreams, or are the dreams themselves becoming more vivid? So let's have a look at what sleep is, first of all, and how much of this we need. This might be a clue to how your dreams work. Thousands of studies have been done to determine the right amount of sleep required for an adult. Often this number ends up being somewhere between 7 and 9 hours, but a more appropriate and important number would focus instead on how many hours of quality sleep an adult receives, because it is quality rather than quantity that counts. In general, sleep consists of a repetitive cycle in which a person passes through five phases or bands distinguished by differences in electrical output of the brain. The entire sequence can take between 90 minutes and 2 hours to complete. Inside of that are these following five phases. Number one is light sleep, which might involve a little bit of dreaming, plus some twitching of your legs as your nervous system shifts into neutral for the night. If it did not do this, you might end up running down the hallway during a dream that involves running. Step number two is light sleep with a slower brainwave pattern. Number three is slow wave sleep. This is deeper sleep with even slower brainwaves. Number four is deeper slow-wave sleep. As the description suggests, it's just even deeper sleep with even slower brain waves. Number five, however, is REM sleep. That's the exciting one. REM stands for Rapid Eye Movement. The band from Georgia came along much later. REM sleep, REM sleep, which involves dreaming and actual movement of the eyes behind closed eyelids, can occur in the first sleep cycles, but most of it actually happens during the fifth phase and during the second half of the sleeping night. Infants can spend up to half of their sleep time in REM sleep, and this proportion decreases somewhat with age. But the crazy thoughts and images that comprise your dreams during REM sleep play themselves out on the stage of your short-term memory, a great place for your mind to sort out these images and signals and dump most of them. How does it dump them? Well, when you wake up. Or when you move out of the REM phase and start a new sequence at position 1. Your short-term memory is like the RAM of the computer I described earlier. As anyone who's ever lost a document on their computer knows, if it's not saved to storage, to the hard drive, or to the cloud, it is gone. And the same thing happens with us. Of the hundreds of thousands of dreams you have had throughout your lifetime, almost every single one of them is lost forever. Unless you had the presence of mind to commit it consciously to a bedside notebook.
The thing is, it may not be necessary to have eight full hours of sleep in order to feel refreshed and well-rested the next day. For some, just four hours, including three passages through the five-band cycle, is sufficient. Anyone whose night does not allow for eight hours of undisturbed sleep, like if you have an infant child that needs caring for, or a dog that likes to go out to relieve itself at 4 a.m. like mine does, you know you can enjoy quality sleep, even when it is broken up. Much of this depends on the amount of melatonin in your system. Melatonin is a hormone that builds up in your bloodstream after your eyes and skin detect the setting of the sun and the onset of dusk. Melatonin allows sleep to come on quickly, usually within about 20 minutes of putting your head on your pillow. Buildup of melatonin over the evening hours, accompanied by lower light levels, I mean most people do not enjoy bright fluorescent lights in the living room or the bedroom, this helps bring sleep on easily. Those who have trouble going to sleep usually can blame it on one or more of the following. Mental overstimulation, thoughts racing and an inability to let go of work issues or life worries. This, by the way, is often brought on by working on these tasks late into the evening. Work-related email, for example, is particularly bad because every task and every email that is dealt with in late evening stimulates the mind and body into action and essentially dilutes these stores of melatonin. Another source is computer and phone screens themselves. It has been found that the light from computers, tablets, and phones emits sufficient blue-spectrum light to stimulate the body away from the influences of melatonin by basically tricking the mind into thinking that the sun is coming up. Therefore, if you have the need to use or read your phone in bed at night, make sure to use one of the eye-saving filters that cuts things down into the yellow spectrum and is softer on the eyes. A third source of sleep troubles is caffeine. It is, after all, a stimulant psychoactive drug, and it seems natural that coffee or tea would do this after 8 p.m., but food also eaten too late can distract the body from its sleep process, forcing it to digest rather than rest. Exercise is not on this list of sleep disruptors. This is because, although most exercise is aerobic and vigorous, it is, for most people, enjoyable, which means that there's a great degree of mental relaxation that's happening even while you're playing sports like soccer or hockey or basketball. As such, the mental relaxation works in consort with the chemistry of sleep and in most cases allows the sleep process to continue. So, it might indeed be that the increase in the reports of vivid dreams are a result of two conditions working together. First, our modified daily life patterns. As boring as they have become, mean that for many of us there are fewer things to do right now. Fewer trips to make in the car or on transit. Working or trying to work from home on a different schedule. Reduced activities and hobbies. Maybe you are even sleeping a little later, not needing that alarm clock to get you down to the train station or out on the highway. This last one is a very important point. An alarm clock is an abomination. It is a device designed to rip you from sleep at a random moment. It's not random in the sense of time, of course, because you set the alarm at a specific hour that you want to get up, but it is random in terms of where your sleep cycle happens to be at that moment. No one can predict exactly where you will be within that five-band cycle when the alarm goes off, and so many of us who drag ourselves to work feeling groggy and headachy might simply be suffering the very real physical imbalance that comes from being interrupted from sleep at the wrong place in this cycle. There are actually wearable devices now available that will allow you to wake up within a certain zone of time, let's say half an hour between 5.30 and 6 a.m., but in sync with your natural sleep cycle is a far more humane and effective way of waking yourself up on time and staying vibrant for the day. 
A couple of examples of these products from Withins and others are available at the show notes page for this podcast at steveprentice.com slash podcast. If you are not using an alarm clock right now, and if you are not constrained to the activities and actions of what we once called daily life, then perhaps your metabolism and your sleep cycles are finally getting back in sync with their natural circadian rhythm, something that has not really happened since the Industrial Revolution when mechanical timepieces took over from the sun as the ruler of our days. As such, people might be enjoying the freedom of fulfilling their sleep cycles for once, including completion of the REM sleep phase, and are therefore actually getting, as Shakespeare put it, to sleep, perchance to dream. But the second of these two conditions that may be contributing to overly vivid dreams may not be such great news. It may be a result of a shortage of intellectual and social stimulation that we, as social animals, crave. We tend to overlook the importance of social interaction because most of us, up until the COVID-19 lockdown anyway, were fully ensconced within it. Take touch, for example. Shaking hands, hugging, social kissing, embracing, these are universal actions of greeting, trust, and connection. There are receptors in the brain exclusively dedicated to processing signals of social touch. From a mother bonding with her newborn baby to two people high-fiving on the street, we need physical contact as much as we need intellectual stimulation. We are tribal. We need to know there are others around us. We are also nurturing, and touch is a more direct signal of nurturing than our words. So, deprived of social interaction and of the mini-dramas that make up our daily lives, our minds are starved for content. There is less for the thinking brain to do. We are in a stimulation famine. As such, it might be that as compensation, our minds are generating more from within. In a way, this is actually like dieting. Think about it. People who think they can lose weight by skipping breakfast are in for a rude surprise. Breakfast is vital to the circadian system. When your body is denied essential nutrition first thing in the morning, it doesn't simply shrug its metaphorical shoulders and say, oh well, Instead, it starts to compensate by eating from the inside. It eats stored energy that you are already carrying on you. But the bad news is, it does not devour energy stored in fat, which is generally the reason for dieting after all. No, it can't do that. Fat is a slow-burning candle that takes months to break down. Instead, your body turns to the quick-access energy stored in muscle fiber. And what's worse, when you do finally eat again, it will take revenge of sorts by cramming more caloric energy back into itself in case the famine happens again. But again, bad news. Your famine-starved body does not convert these extra calories into muscle. I wish. It converts it into fat. So, food deprivation is a double injury to your metabolism. It breaks down existing muscle and it adds fat. That might not be fair, but it makes perfect sense from nature's standpoint. So now, my point going back to dreaming and stimulation famine is it might indeed be that the increased opportunities for balanced sleep cycle paired with an internally driven hunger for mental stimulation might be the cause of the increase in discussions around vibrant dreams during this period of social lockdown. We have all become subjects in possibly the world's largest social experiment. It is unlikely that we will quickly return to the normal that we enjoyed up until January of 2020. Social distancing and hygiene practices will likely be with us for many years. But in a way, they were there before too. People have already grown used to using sanitizer and using Purell everywhere. 
video conferencing might gain a stronger foothold in the work community now that people have had a chance to experience it. But humanity will never give up the chance of being together in offices, trains, and restaurants, because that's what we do. What I am looking forward to is the hard data around the proportion of nightmares to vivid dreams. Specifically, will the trauma of this pandemic manifest itself in the form of more nightmares for specific subsets of our communities, such as those of us who are simply living in lockdown, or children dealing with the changes to their school and life routines, and of course to the frontline healthcare professionals who are battling this disease constantly, and for many of whom the specter of significant PTSD unfortunately waits around the corner. Ultimately, we all spend one-third of our lifetimes asleep. If we didn't, we would die. So there is much more to this story than just being a quirk of lockdown life. Let's see what we can learn from this. So there you have it, my podcast on vivid dreams in lockdown. If you have a comment about this podcast or a question you would like answered in a future episode, please do let me know. You can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com, S-T-E-V-E-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E.com, where you can also find my links to Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And please also just tell one more person about the existence of the Cool Time Life podcast. Until next time, I'm Steve Prentice. Stay safe, and thanks for listening.